welcome back to episode 44 of Scar Bearers. I'm Chris D.T. Gordon. It is a blessing to have you here with me today. And also with me, technically, I should say, is our Nate and Britton Baron working their tech magic on these podcast episodes. You want them to work their magic on your projects, just reach out to them at Nate Baron. Okay, well, the book Blue Talk to Blue Talks Presents Business Life in the Universe, Volume Three, is still as we're, we are recording this in pre order. And I am, we am really excited to share my story in print. So if you want to get your own copy, you can go to blue, B L U, talksbook.com. Well, today I am joined by my new friend and fellow educator, Nicole Roach. Nicole, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Chris? Doing very well. Thank you, indeed. And as I said before, Nicole is a fellow educator, and we also have the, I'm not sure what adjective I should use here, the fateful distinction of being a fellow survivor of necrotizing fasciitis. I guess we'll go with yes. that. Uh, it makes us part of a distinguished brethren uh, or sisterin, sibling, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but we sometimes forget, we survivors of NF, that we had lives before our time in the hospital. So maybe, Nicole, you could talk a little bit about your life pre-NF. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I was uh, a teacher for 10 years prior to NF. Um, I taught preschool, private preschool, mostly three-year-olds, um, okay. which sounds incredibly chaotic. Yes. <laughs> it was, but I loved it. It was, it was something that, that I knew I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I see when you say that, and I, I thought, Yes, that's definitely not me. But at the same time, I teach middle school. Right, which I would never want to go near. <laughs> exactly. You know, we, we all have our we all have our fortes and those areas that we wouldn't touch with a 10 meter stick. Yes. So uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. I loved the preschool age. Um, it was something that I didn't initially plan to do, but um, was a major in sociology and uh, decided my third year in to switch majors and switch to education. And then I started kind of just like feeling out the teaching world, like mm -hmm. what I would want to do in it. Yeah. Where'd you go to, where'd you go to university? San Jose State. Okay. Here in California. Yeah. All right. Yep. And then, um, started teaching while I was still getting certified. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually initially took a job as an assistant in a um, low-income neighborhood and loved it. Um, and I got to kind of see a different side of, of, of preschool education. Um, and it, it was something that, that I really enjoyed getting that, that sort of view, especially early on. Um, it was a by Spanish English uh, teacher and okay. she was great. She was awesome. She really kind of like took me under her wing and, you know. Did you, did you feel your, no, did you have any uh, prior experience with Spanish? Yes. Okay. I did. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't speak it fluently. I haven't used it in years, so it's incredibly broken right now. Mm -hmm. But um, at the time, because I was sort of like immersed in it, my Spanish got very, you know, I felt like incredibly comfortable in conversational Mm -hmm. Spanish. Yeah. Um, And then a lot of the things that they would do there was teaching English as a second language. So like the repetition back and forth, which helped me also. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So we were all learning. Well, that's good. It, it, you know, I, I find that uh, if everyone is learning at the same time, it, it creates a stronger bond with Definitely. the students. Yeah. Teaching little ones is, is a very different world. Um, you know, I, 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 I loved three-year-olds. That was the age that I taught the most. Uh, the pre-kindergarten age, um, I didn't like as much. you know they were they were becoming more like little people and they Mm. were very interested in expressing their own opinion and having a sense of who you know they wanted to kind of really push and test those boundaries Mm. um the three-year-old year was really more about social emotional growth getting them you know to be able to communicate with each other and Mm. to kind of see where one another's coming from so i that was my that was my my pull I guess towards the three-year-olds gotcha no and you're you're absolutely right you know they're 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 not yet to the level of I wonder what happens if I do this a lot it's more like Mm -hmm. I wonder if I can just do this yes yeah there's there's a lot of testing that's involved um but I think that that it's it's a special job to be a teacher and and I think that especially with everything going on right now I don't know how if I was still teaching how I would do it <laughs> because it's I'm seeing preschool teachers teach through zoom which mm-hmm. you know is not ideal um, yeah. you know kids at that age need to to really have a chance to be around each other to learn from each other so over zoom it, I can't imagine how they wrangle them all in <laughs> yeah well a lot of very short sessions I think yes so anyway, uh, so how long, how long did you, you say you taught uh, preschool for 10 years? I did. Yeah. So I taught for 10 years um, prior to NF. Also the same year that I had NF, I was diagnosed with a rare um, genetic disease. Mm. Um, it's called Ehlers-Danlos. I have what's called Ehlers-Danlos hypermobility syndrome, which basically means that my joints are very lax. Um, Mm. my, like, I like to say that it's like a Gumby doll. Um, All right. Or like a, like an action figure that you work, you play with too much and all of a sudden the elbow goes this way. Exactly. Oh, wow. Exactly. So it's a, it's a collagen, uh, defective collagen genetic disease. Um, there's no cure. Uh, it progresses as you age. Mm. Um, and it's something that is really difficult to understand, even though like I'm living in it. It's, it's very, um, it varies from family to member to family member. So even though like I have a lot of issues with my joints, I dislocate things, I get hurt really easily. Um, my mom has more of the like GI centered issues. My sister has more of the uh, neurological, um, problems. And so it, it affects us all differently, even though it's the same, the same, you know, condition, 
but it just varies greatly. So Mm -hmm. I was just sort of starting to kind of understand what had been going on with my body for 30 years. And then I had an F. (laughs) (laughs) So you got to handle this, right? Okay. We're going to start eating your skin. Right. Let's just throw it all in one year. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of, that's basically what happened. Um, I got diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos, was misdiagnosed my whole life. Mm. They were trying to figure out why I was falling apart so easily, but couldn't quite get a handle on it. What are the numbers of uh, people diagnosed with that? So it's, it's fairly rare. There are 11 different types of Ehlers-Danlos. There's one that's really well known. It's a vascular type. That type can cause death ultimately. Um, So the hypermobility type is the most common um, right now, but it still is considered a rare disease. They have not yet identified the genetic marker for hypermobility type. Okay. So because of that, you're diagnosed based on medical history and this awesome thing called the Brighton scale that they make you do all these weird things to see how far you can maneuver your body. Um, that sounds like a lot of stretching is involved. It is. Yeah, (laughs) it is. Yeah. I like to joke that I have always been flexible and that helped with my teaching career because with little kids, you have to be flexible, Yes, but uh, (laughs) I like to take, take it to the limit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Middle schoolers scare me. Yeah. <laughs> They're okay. You just, you just, you just throw in some pop culture references and talk about video games. You're good. Especially so, right now. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, are we, are there any like numbers in terms of like how many cases are in the United States? Cause I know uh, for example, um, I think the last time I saw on the CDC between 700 and 1200 cases of nf are reported annually so are there any cases for there are i don't know the numbers offhand to tell you the truth i know that um it it's something that most doctors haven't even heard of oh wow um i've i've had doctors ask me how to spell it so that they could look it up so So they can scribble it in in a legible yeah yeah, I mean, my neurologist said, you know, when you're in school, you are told to look for the commonalities. You know, if somebody comes in with a sniffle, it's most likely a cold. So they say if you hear hoofbeats, you think horse, not zebra. Mm-hmm. People who have this genetic condition are called medical zebras because we are so difficult to diagnose. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it's just something that that goes misdiagnosed or undiagnosed for a very long time in most patients. Okay. Um, so it's it's something that I think slowly the the medical system is starting to learn more. On the East Coast, there are a lot more studies. There are a lot more specialists. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, collagen deficiency is not something that that you would think could cause harm, but your body is literally held together by collagen. It's a glue. So um, when that glue is faulty or not strong enough, you're going to get hurt more easily. You're going to have 
you know, be more in, in uh, not necessarily like <laughs> klutzy, but you know, I, that's, I am. Yeah. Klutzy. <laughs> okay. So it, yeah, it just happens. You're interest and klutzy. So it makes for an interesting an awesome day, combination. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's um, also why I think the, the NF, it really affected my, my, um, the joints in my, in my right leg. Um, you know, after that, they were, they were a lot, a lot more difficult to use. Is that uh, what you had it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I had it in my, uh, my right, started in my right ankle, outer ankle. And how did, did were you able to find out how you caught it? Yes. So, um, it was June of 2013. I was teaching a summer class, which I always did. We did summer camps during, during, uh, those three months that we were off technically. <laughs> and, um, I went to work, I had my room set up. I had my first and second day of session. I felt fine. Um, I woke up the third day and it was hard for me to put pressure on my right foot. Um, and I kind of just like explained it away. It was kind of like, oh, I must have, you know, I tweak my ankles frequently and thought oh, I probably just rolled my ankle funny. Um, I had done that a, exactly a year prior and okay. had some like micro tears in the tendons around my ankle. So, and it felt very similar to that. So in my head, I thought, oh, I, I did it again. Like my podiatrist is going to love seeing me a year later for the same problem. And by the end of the school day, I could barely put weight on it. Mm. And um, it was incredibly swollen. It hurt. Mm -hmm. um, I went to see my podiatrist and she took a look at it and she said, I think you might have completely tore the tendon. Ooh. Go and have an MRI and then come right back and I'll put you in a soft cast. So I did. I went and had the MRI, um, went back to, to her. She put me in the soft you know, cast to just sort of keep me from kind of moving it around. And at that point, um, I thought, okay, I'll, you know, be on crutches. It'll be a couple weeks kind of a thing. And I went home, my mom, you know, drove, drove me home. It's my right foot. So I couldn't drive mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, got into bed, put my leg up that night. I had a, a fever um, it was right around a hundred. Mm -hmm. I called, let my podiatrist know. I took some Tylenol. It immediately went down. It never went back up. Okay. I, you know, was in bed and had the worst night of sleep I could ever imagine because I was in so much pain and I was stuck on my back oh. <laughs> and I had the the stuff had the cast, you know, on, um, and woke up the next morning and, you know, told my mom, like, I am in so much pain. My foot, you could see was very swollen, even though all that you could see were like the tops of my toes okay. and, uh, called my podiatrist. She said, have your mom cut the cast off, take a picture and send it to me. 
Um, my podiatrist is also a very good family friend. My sister sees her, I see her. So I, I have her cell phone number. <laughs> she was on her way to a conference. Mm. Um, and so we did, we cut it off. My foot was, it didn't even look like it belonged to my body at that point. Oh. It was so swollen. It was turning the purple. The discolored, yeah, discoloration. Mm-hmm. And the swelling was going up my leg. So like up the outer, my, like the outer edge of my leg up from my ankle and then down to my toes. Um, so she said, I want you to go see this other foot specialist. I'm, you know, at the airport going to a conference. And I did, and he was in Redwood city. And he said, I think you might have compartment syndrome. You need to go to the ER and Um, I was like barely with it at that point. I was in a wheelchair. I I was, you know, there, but not really there at that point. And my skin was starting to turn yellow. Um, my breathing was getting shallow. We got to Stanford ER and they took me in right away. I barely had a blood pressure reading. I was Uh septic. Um, and for those, really were... quick, I just want to I just want to say, uh, for those who don't know, uh, sepsis is an exaggeration of the body when it will pump a chemical into your bloodstream to fight off infection. However, the the double-edged sword of that is that it could also kill you, and so <laughs> you know now now you're in lots of trouble because not only you have your foot that's infected with, they haven't diagnosed it yet, but now we know it's NF. You have your uh, your joint uh, issue and now you have sepsis. So right, this is right. a great day. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there were more people coming in and out of our little, you know, kind of little emergency room that we were in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I said, was just barely with it. I, I yeah was catching certain things they were saying every once in a while. I remember um, they said, you know, run it again. They wanted to run all my, they wanted to run my blood work again. Um, And they said something about gas and my sister, my older sister, she said, is she septic? Because she heard them talking about my blood work. Um, And they said, yes, but we're gonna rerun everything just to like, Just to be sure. Yeah, yeah, it won't solve the problem, but I just make (laughs) sure that that's the problem. And and they told, you know, they told my my sister, my my mom, my stepdad, and my dad were all there at that point. Uh, And they said, we're going to start prepping her here in the ER for surgery. Um, They wanted to, like, make sure that the OR was absolutely so as sterile as it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, because your daughter has necrotizing fasciitis. Now, my mom had never heard of that. She didn't yeah. know what that was. My sister had, and my sister was just like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> um, and they weren't wrong. You know, yeah. they said, we're going to try and, and, and save, you know, her life, but she might not have her leg mm. at the end of this. Um, and they took me in for the first debridement surgery at that point okay and so 
how long were you do you know how long you were in surgery for I have no idea okay I have no idea the first three days I don't remember much were you um, were you, were you in, in a ICU. coma the three okay no. well you were okay yeah I okay, mean, so, I was, so you were in a coma or you awake but just not lucid at all I was awake, not, okay. but not, I had no idea what was happening. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and it wasn't until the third day at that point I had had two surgeries and um, I was kind of like starting to be awake for longer than a couple minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they came in to, to, you know, they were constantly coming in to check, right? They want to make sure that the infection isn't continuing to like travel up my leg. They were checking everything else. Like my other, um, uh, like fingers and toes on mm-hmm. other parts of my body, just to make sure, yeah. um, they explained that, you know, this could pop up in my left arm, even though it was affecting my right foot. So um, I had never heard of it before either. And when they came in to, to check my leg, they like put a sheet up and I said, no, I want to see, you know, because I felt like at that point I needed to know for myself, like what I was dealing with. Yep. Um, and at that point, like my kidneys were still not working properly. I had two partially collapsed lungs. Mm. I, so I had like, you know, these pulmonary people <laughs> coming in to do exercises to try and get my lungs to, to continue to work. Um, and I, I just wanted to know like what I was up against. Yep. Um, and, and so I, I saw you know, and I lost all of the soft tissue in my foot, uh, basically like up to my toes Uh and then, um, my whole ankle and then up the side of my, of my leg. So on the inside or outside, outside, Okay. the outside, yeah. Outside ankle and then up kind of up my calf. Um, my Achilles is shortened because of it. Mm. Um, you know, they were like, we don't think she's going to walk. We don't know if she's even going to still have her leg after this. I mean, three days in, it was like, they weren't, there's not a lot of predictions. It was very much like hour to hour at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, that was, that was kind of the initial like hump. I thought, okay, I've seen it. I understand a little bit more. Um, and then I just sort of slowly started being awake for longer periods of time. Um, I kept trying to feed myself, but I would fall asleep. Like I was just, my body, your body was just in this like state of extreme fatigue. Yeah. Um, you know, every little thing was like exhausting. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So. <laughs> really quick just to take you back uh did they ever find what exact how exactly had entered your system yes so i had rolled my ankle oh so it was the um, roll of the ankle. okay you had rolled your ankle okay i had but it was like a week before this happened i mean it wasn't oh, i never okay. even connected it but because of the genetic condition 
because of the faulty collagen, I also heal very slowly. Okay. So what they think happened is I had this, you know, ankle injury that was trying to heal. I went to work, um, was most likely, you know, just exposed to strep A Mm. and it then found a weak spot in my body in that ankle. I did not have a cut. I did not have an opening anywhere. Um, and, and they were able to find out that it was from, you know, the strep A, uh, and that was partially why they didn't want me to go back to work. Um, they felt like, you know, being around young children who are, you know, germ monsters, walking Petri dishes (laughs) and just like, you know, they have no boundaries either. Right. They're like in your personal space. (laughs) <laughs> yeah all the time you know they're little. love you but you'll kill me so. <laughs> exactly yeah so um that's partially why they they were very against me going back um, okay and and at the time I wasn't even thinking about going back to work I mean I was just trying to to think small like yeah. my first hurdle was what do I have to do to get out of ICU yes you know I, I think that is key because I remember my own, my, my own situation was, I wasn't really thinking at that time about how I was going to live the rest of my life. I wanted the next step. I want to know what can I do now? Exactly. And I think, I don't know, but I mean, maybe it's the same way with you, Nicole, that that really helped focus my energies and focus my mind so that I can say, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. I'll reach, I'll reach the next step when I get to the next step. Exactly. Yeah. Small victories is what I have always said, you know, growing up being sick a lot and getting hurt a lot. Um, I sort of, I had to think that way. Um, Mm -hmm. so having that already instilled, in me as a person Mm -hmm. definitely helped when it came to dealing with this. Um, You know, they they were like, we're not, you don't need to worry about getting out of ICU. And I was like, no, but that's the next step, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what do we have to do? Um, And it was, and it was small victories that you have to focus on. Um, You know, I mean, I didn't walk for six months. being, uh, I got out of the hospital in a wound back, you know, and, and, um, was in a wheelchair and was, I was able to like barely (laughs) make it from the bed to like a bedside commode Okay. while my feet, while my foot was still on the bed. So I was able to like, that was the movement that I did for months you know, while, while it was, everything was healing, kind of, you know, getting to that point where I could have skin graft surgery. Now, where did they take the skin grafts from? Uh, My right thigh. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of the Ehlers-Danlos, my, my, um, my skin is actually thin, thinner than Uh, than somebody that was, I was 30 at the time that this happened, than somebody that was 30 years old. 
So they took an initial like size patch and then when they were working through it, they realized it wasn't going to be enough. My skin was too thin. So they had to take more. Oh, jeez. Um, and, you know, luckily like that all happened at the same time. They figured that out and went ahead and did it and it worked out. Yeah. But, um, but because of that, the like, collagen deficiency my, my skin itself is uh easily damaged okay. um you know not just from bruising but breaking and things like that so they wanted to make sure that what they were using was going to be you know thick enough right even though it's not I mean <laughs> it's it's not really thick when you think about it but they wanted to make sure that it was going to cover evenly and not leave any parts exposed um you yep. know so they did take extra during that during that surgery um and then I was in the wound back <laughs> again <laughs> you know <laughs> for, for a while now uh did they now in, in my skin grafts uh they have uh like an underlying layer called integra Mm-hmm. which was like, did you have the same thing? It was kind of like a, a base layer. They put the, the graphs on top of. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's the graft itself covers basically like if you think of the back of your foot. So my, all of where my, my, the back of my foot, like where my Achilles is basically, mm-hmm. uh, and then go wraps around my ankle to the top portion and then okay. up the side of my leg. Okay. Um, so my calf muscle, uh, it, it doesn't react the way it should um, okay. from all of that. And then I have foot drop. Um, mm. I have, you know, constant um, pain and neuropathy in that foot. Uh, it swells still, <laughs> you know. Which I'm sure kind of scares you from time to time, right? Looking it at it. And really? It does. Yeah. You know, I had... I had um, my son two years after that mm-hmm. and um, was amazed at what my foot could kind of go through, um, you know, carrying a baby yeah. and dealing with all of that sort of swelling that happens in pregnancy made me nervous. Like, is this going to negatively impact my foot? Mm-hmm. Am I going to have to be like really, really careful? Um, and ultimately the answer was yes, <laughs> you know, Yeah. <laughs> and it still is. I still have to be very careful. Um, but I, I do think that, that having, having something, you know, major, you talk about life before life after and it took me a while to, to kind of wrap my head around what really happened. Mm-hmm. And they don't know, you know, why my kidneys started functioning again. They don't know why to this day I have no scarred tissue around my lungs. Wow. That's amazing. There's, there was just all these things, you know, that happened that there was not a lot of answers for, um, and so for myself and my family, you know, we really, uh, 
had to focus on the small things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being able to start physical therapy, I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. <laughs> like, <laughs> they wanted me to sit on a stationary bike. And I said, I haven't walked in six months. I can't pedal a bike. Like, that <laughs> makes no sense. Um, but it worked. I needed to, to get used to putting pressure on my foot. Um, I, I, it's weak. It's going to be weak, um, especially with the genetic condition. Yep. That leg, I have to be careful. And it'll be that way forever. But finding a spot each day to kind of realize like this was a this was a huge thing and I had a choice then I have a choice now right like you can either decide to go in the hole or not and for me I've always had to make that decision I was not going to let myself go down um, into a hole now I did have moments and days and times yeah, <laughs> everyone yeah, does yeah but I wouldn't let myself live there and I think that was was huge as far as coming you know coming through on the other side of things with NF I I totally agree you know just from my own experience that making that decision to not uh, to use a uh, as I wear my Star Wars sweater to use a Star Wars reference to go to the dark side. Yes, so, you know, making by that conscious decision was monumental because where your mind goes, your body will follow. Correct. And I think you know doubly for you with you know uh, with all your health issues that having that positive mindset is crucial you know into having a having a healthy productive lifestyle no matter what you have to deal with definitely yeah I mean I think that's something um that and then just like having my faith has been a huge thing I think that also incorporates hope Mm -hmm. and um you know, and, and taking time to like, really, I'm very thankful if my body had not been able to go through that, I wouldn't have my son. Mm -hmm. I would not, you know, I I wouldn't have, have had the opportunities that I've had since then. Um, and I think that for, for my family also, it was knowing that I have a huge tight extended family and they all pitched in, mm-hmm. you know, meals, talking to my mom, listening to her cry, you know, um, and the impact that it left on my immediate family. Everybody's very protective of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, you're like the sequel to Bubble Boy, <laughs> Bubble Girl. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Um, you know, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. We we went through a lot, and they they all know that there was a, a it, there was a higher chance of me not being here than there was of me making it. Yeah. Um, let alone making it and walking. Yeah. You know, which I can do now. So, yeah. so um, that's something that they didn't think I'd be able to do. So speaking of what you can do now, what are you doing now uh, 
you know, not only day to day, but, you know, in terms of sharing your message and living this uh, second chance, I guess. Yeah. What have I done since then? Um, having my son was huge. Yep. I also started writing um, okay. after my son was born. Uh, I felt like my body, you know, after NF, I was hospitalized that following year multiple times with recurrent skin infections um, and was diagnosed with an immune deficiency. Okay. And, you know, they were kind of like, your body's been through so much. Like, we just don't know what else we can do. You know, you, you have to like give yourself some time basically. Um, but I had infection after infection until I got pregnant. Now, when you're pregnant, <laughs> your body does this awesome thing. It like beefs up your immune system. Yes. Not that I can so, speak personally about that, but I've heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that doing that boosted my immune system and I stopped having recurrent skin infections. Oh, wow. So after I had my son, I did a lot of writing about how um, being on the other side of it and looking at the journey made me realize like I was supposed to be here for a reason. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to be here to have, you know, this amazing little boy. And um, so I, I wrote a lot about like my my health journey <laughs> and my overall experience with this genetic disorder as well as the NF and how that has affected me as a mom. Um, and writing was a great outlet. It, it really was. Now at this point, I still have days where um, I need to use uh, mobility aids. Okay. Um, and a lot of that does have to do with the genetic disease, but at the same time, my right foot, the condition that it's in, um, it also affects the surrounding joints, right? So like my yeah. knee is weak on that leg and, you know, I didn't use it for so long. Yeah. So, um, hey, buddy. so uh, using mobility aids, I have walking sticks. Um, I have a great little helper. <laughs> <laughs> What's your helper's name, by the way? I don't think we got his name. Joey James. Joey James. That's an awesome name. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, you know, I do have, I have a lot of leftover anxiety, um, you know, some PTSD that I, that I deal with since NF. Okay. Um, so I think a lot of that is just trying to continue to remind myself to be mindful and like, it's okay to have those, those moments, yes. right? Um, and to allow myself to do that. Now it's a lot harder to allow yourself to do that when you have a five-year-old. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so um, carving out time. That's yes. That's is, huge. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, you know, and yeah, and I, I know you know this, but I think 
people need to be reminded that self-care is not a luxury. Self-care is necessity. Uh, because, you know, you think of a, a NASCAR race, you know, that car could go around the track repeatedly with nonstop, but it will, it will burn itself out eventually. It needs those pit stops. And so do we. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wrote, I wrote a, a, a blog post all about that for a, okay. local mom, a local mom blog here in the Bay Area. Um, and I wrote about having this sort of like the flight attendant's approach to motherhood. Okay. And how you have to put your own mask on before you can help anybody else. Yes. And as a mom, we're, we're very focused on everybody else, right? Like, mm-hmm. and your mind is going in like a million different directions. And, yeah. um, but if you don't put that oxygen mask on you, you're not going to be able to be there a hundred percent for everybody else. Yes. And especially right now, like pandemic life, it's mm-hmm. very difficult to participate in self-care yeah. you know because you don't I my son's home there's not as much alone time for anybody and I also continue to have you know health struggles so um so it's it's I think carving out time is huge it's it's yeah. really important and I think it is something people forget about yeah so what's uh, something you do to carve that precious time for yourself so you you can practice that self-care probably writing is one of the thing right so yeah writing was something that I always enjoyed writing um, but never like fully dove into it until the NF Um, I wrote my entire journey down from you know kind of like beginning to when I graduated physical therapy (laughs) (laughs) and um having that was really helpful I got to make different connections with support groups for the genetic disease that I have as well as for uh NF um medical you know trauma support groups PTSD support groups um so for me I do I think Writing is probably the first, and then I do a lot of reading. Um, and I try not to like, I tend to gravitate towards like educational reading, and like, you know, I'll reread things on positive discipline and you know, different parenting strategies and things like that. And then I have to remind myself that I need to read a book for me, yeah, (laughs) like something that isn't like necessarily all about working my my brain something that does not include bullet points right (laughs) yeah so I do do a lot of reading I also um uh meditation has been huge now it's a lot harder to do that right now but um at night after my son is asleep and in bed that is when I can kind of like start to shut everything down um because it's the end of the day he's asleep and making sure that 
instead of thinking of like the five things that I would like to do before I fall asleep, (laughs) taking that time to like center myself is huge. Um, And so I do a lot of like the, um, where you listen to, it's like a guided meditation. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then I started during the pandemic, I started doing uh, YouTube um, Tai Chi. Okay. Which I didn't think I could do because a lot of it is like shifting your weight on your feet. Yeah. Um, And my foot doesn't really, you know, it can only kind of tolerate back and forth for so long. But I can, but that's something I can do and it's gentle and I can, even my son has, you know, wanted to do the, the YouTube Tai Chi along with me, which I think is huge. So he tries, he tries himself to do it. That's Um, great. And, you know, it's hard. Usually prior to the pandemic, I would take um, like one weekend a month and have a night out with my girlfriends who are all also moms. (laughs) so we would all look forward to this time right where we would get to go out to dinner and not not kind of like have our mom hats on and um that's a lot harder to do now because everybody's stuck at home yeah a little bit so a lot of uh zoom zoom and wine yes yes i do i do a lot of coffee morning coffee um uh I call it our, our coffee catch-up sessions gotcha. um, with one of my good friends who's also has a, a little little boy at home um, okay yeah and then just you know I don't know I try really hard to share with people as much as I can about things that I went through and things that I learned from going through what I went through um because it is a a it's a totally different experience for everyone. Yes. Like, NF is, it, everybody has a totally different story. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all scarred up little snowflakes. We are. It's important <laughs> to realize that like nobody's, nobody is going to ever be able to take something like that away. You know, your story is your story. Um, yes. And I think it's important to share. Yes. And speaking of that, Nicole, is there any place that people can, you know, uh, find out more about you and maybe connect with you so you guys can share stories? Yes. Yeah. So I, um, you can find my writings online through City Moms blog, San Francisco Bay Area. Um, All you have to do is search my name by author, Nicole Roach, and all of my, um, my writing that has those were for like a two-year period will pop up um okay and i'll put a link in the chat and there information yeah yeah and then um outside of that it's facebook okay and other than that besides being a mom (laughs) and trying to to carve out more time for myself um, I'm hoping I'm hoping to start writing more and I'm hoping to to find a place to to kind of collect um, all of that. Uh, and that's something that that I look forward to doing in the future. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Nicole. Uh, 
I know, uh, especially with your little helper running around, I, uh, I'm keeping you away from him. Uh, but it just, it's a blessing to talk with you and to hear your story and to hear how, you know, you're giving back with your writing and with your ability, ability to share your story. Because I think once you, you once you uh, demonstrate that ability to share, that just helps others, you know, oh, yeah. share their own stories. And so thank you so much. And one more question I have to ask before I let you go. My audience always loves to hear the answer to this. What is your favorite dinosaur? Stegosaurus. Stegosaurus. And why Steggy? It was the only one that I could remember a song about when my son okay. started getting into dinosaurs. And I was like going in my preschool mind for, you know, different <laughs> different songs and things like that and that's what i that so the stegosaurus it's the All only right. one i can remember a song for so that's the one that that uh that i get it's my favorite <laughs> very cool yeah it's definitely you know a lot of people go with t-rex but there's a lot going on with the stegosaurus you got the plates you got the size you got the, the spiky tail tail yeah yes he's he's quite the accessorizer I think so. Yeah, think yeah he's, so. The, he's the fat, he's the diva of the dinosaur set. I right, think. like maybe just because he only eats leaves, but yeah. he, he has a lot of like bad ass, if I can yeah. say that. <laughs> so yeah, bad, you know, or donkey, bad donkey, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you feel like drawing that word to. Yes, sir. But yeah, he is, he's definitely uh, not, not someone you want to mess with. Right. So. Well, Agreed. again, thank you very much, Nicole. I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you and, so much. Uh, thank you. And so for everyone, uh, you can reach out to Nicole with the uh, link provided below or find her on Facebook at Nicole Roach. If you want to find out what I have going on in the world of speaking, you can go to linktree at linktr.ee forward slash Chris D.T. Gordon. I have my podcast, of course, my YouTube channel, the speaking websites I have going up there, my Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, and Instagram, or I said YouTube. Uh, what's the other one? There's another one. Well, I'll think of it sometime after I hit uh, stop recording. Uh, and also there's the book, Blue Talks Presents business life and the universe volume three please pick it up not only do i share my story but there are many other inspirational stories that should be read on that link so go to bluetalksbook.com that's b-l-u talksbook.com well thank you everybody please remember to like share subscribe this in my other episodes and share those inspirational stories and as always thank you so much for your time Please have a great day. Remember to pass on perfection and go for greatness.